0: Uh, Today we're going to continue in our Make Room series, but we're also going to shift in our Make Room series. Uh, What we've done up until this point is we've laid foundation of what does it look like as I fall off the stage to make room for God? Uh, What does it look like to make room for God to move? Uh, I think this is such a, a massively important topic. This is something that God laid on my heart last fall. So this is the theme for City Church in 2023. This is where we are going. This is where I want to take you. This is what I want to do in, in my life, in, in my church. This is what God's plan is for us, and I'm very, very confident in that. And so up to this point, we've, we've seen this foundation primarily in the book of 2 Kings um, on, on what does it look like to make room? How do we make room? What happens when we make room? Today, we're going to shift gears and, and start zooming in On making room in some specific aspects of our life Um, and I I honestly don't know how long we're gonna do this because I got a whole list of some specific characteristics and I'm not sure how in-depth we're gonna go which of those we may even spend more than one week on what all this is gonna look at It's, it's kind of unpacking as we go but I do know this today we're going to talk in part six of our series about making room for God in my prayer life making room for God in my prayer life, I believe that one of the biggest keys to see God move in our life is simply this thing we call prayer. How many of you, by a show of hands, this is the audience participation part of our service, and be honest, okay? God is watching you, all right? How many of you would say, I have seen God answer a prayer? At least one. Look around. Look around testimony after testimony right there. I wish we had time to go around the room and let each of you share just one story because the chances are most of those hands represent a lot more than one story where God's moved in our life. Awesome, encouraging. If you need some encouragement today that God moves in prayer, maybe you didn't have your hand up. Maybe you haven't yet experienced that. Maybe you haven't gotten that place yet in your walk with God. Talk to some people around you. Hear what God's done in their life. Let me ask you this. How many of you have seen God move in your life thanks to Somebody else's prayer. Hopefully that should be all of us. Man, even even if you don't know it, this is the thing, this is just the ones that know it. This is just the ones who are aware that so-and-so is praying for me, that I had a praying grandma, I had a praying auntie, I had a praying dad, I had a praying sibling, I got a praying spouse. Man, somebody is praying for me and I know it's made a difference in my life. Praise God. When's the last time you thanked God for the intercessors in your life? What a blessing. What a gift. Man, we've seen him move. Don't you tell me he can't do it. All right, we're getting fired up. We're getting excited. It's a good day in City Church. Now let me just suck the life out of the room. How many of you say my prayer life's where I think it should be right now? A couple people, honestly. Praise God. it It ain't a total L. Right? We got some people in here that are growing, that are getting there, that God is moving in their life. Praise God for some hands up on that question. But the reality is when we look at the answer to question 1 and we look at the answer to question 2 and then we get to question 3, there's there's a, there's a disconnect. How can we, as the people of God who have seen him answer our prayers, who have seen him answer others' prayers, how can we be neglectful of this incredible gift that God has given us, this invitation that he's given us to change our lives, to impact our destiny, to change someone's eternity? How can we have so few of us raise our hands on that question? Well, there's a few good answers, right? One is we're lazy. One is we're distracted. One is we're busy. One is there's an enemy who knows how powerful prayer truly is, and he's going to do everything he can to fill our time and fill our schedule and fill our mind with everything else. I don't think it's that we have bad intentions, I don't think it's that, that God's people just don't care about spending time with God. And I don't think it's that God's people don't believe God can move because you just saw all the hands that went up. We don't just believe it. We know it. We've seen it. We've lived it. It's one thing to believe, to hope that maybe God can move. It's another thing to say, I know he has. Okay? So, so this is not an issue of me having to convince you that prayer makes a difference. This is not, my job today is not to get up here and and create an intellectual argument to convince you that prayer actually can impact your life. We already got that covered, at least for like 98% of us in the room. So the job that I have today for you and for me to get us to where the answer to that third question looks a whole lot more like the answer to question one and two is to inspire you to start doing what you already know how to do, right? You've already prayed a prayer that God answered. It's not that I've got to teach you the technical ins and outs of prayer today, and this is how we talk to God. Is that stuff important? Yes. Does it matter? Yes. That's not what I came here to to, to do today, though. What I came here to do today is simply to call you to pray again the way you have prayed before. Man, let's just get back to what we've seen God do. Let's just get back to that place that we once were. And now God can invite us somewhere deeper. God can take us to a whole new level. He can move us from glory to glory. I believe him for that. I want to see that. But if nothing else, if we could get God's people simultaneously unified as a team, as a group, as a church, just to get back to where each of us once was... What can start happening? What can God start doing? We got to make some room in our prayer life, people. Man, there's an invitation. There's an opportunity. There's an impact that will not happen in our life if we're not in prayer. It just won't. It's the way God designed it. It's the way he created it. I don't care how good we worship. I don't care how deep we are in the word. I don't care how generous we are. I don't care how much we serve. All of those things are important, and we need to do those things. But there is something that God has for you that you will never experience if you don't pray. You just won't. And so today I am here to call God's people to pray. I got a weird message for you today. It's a different message. I don't think I've ever preached a message in this structure before. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you five points, five things that I believe we're called to do in prayer at the beginning. Then we're going to go read the scripture. Then we're going to focus in on one of those five points that I think is most primary for our season, for our series, for what God wants to do in our life right now. So I want to just give you today very quickly five things that I believe God is calling us to do in order to make room in our prayer life. First one is this. Write this down. Memorize it. Wrestle with it. Number one, in fact, preach it to the person next to you. Pray. Ooh, that's good. That's, that's deep. Right? I mean, that's a tough one. How many of you say, I can pray? Right. Show of hands. How many say, I can pray? All right. Point one is already knocked out, right? You know to do it. You know it matters. You know it makes a difference. But I guess some of us don't. Jesus says, Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. What is that? That's, that's prayer. That's how we do those things. He says, You have not because you I hate that verse. <laughs> you could just take that one out of the Bible. Why? Because that means. All the stuff that I'm like, God, why aren't you doing this? He's like, why aren't you asking? (laughs) Oh. Right? You ever have one of those oh moments, like you went through something and you're in the midst of it and you're like, oh, I could have prayed about that earlier. Oh, I could have gave this to God a whole lot sooner instead of just trying to carry this by myself. Right? So number one, if you take nothing else, just start at step one. Just, Just pray. Just pray. Okay, now that we got that one down. Second thing I believe God's calling us to do is to pray more. Everybody say more. More. What's make room about? Make room is about creating space for God to do more. So we are being called, we are being challenged, we are being encouraged to pray more. Now, how much should I pray, Pastor Troy? What is is the right amount of prayer? What What is the level that I need to be at? I can't answer that question for you the reality is that each of us have different schedules we got different situations we got different capacities there are certain people who have the gift of intercession who can go before god for hours on end like it was nothing and i praise god for those people and i want those people in our church i want those people in my life i am not that person i do not have an intercessory gift prayer is work for me it is some of you know what you're talking about it's work That doesn't mean that it's worthless. That doesn't mean that it's not impactful. That doesn't mean that I shouldn't do it just because it's work. But it's work. Worship's not work for me. I could worship all day long. Man, I could could worship from, from the morning I get up to the morning I go to bed if I didn't have other responsibilities, if I didn't have anything else to do. I could put on a playlist. I could put on City Church Sounds, and I could just worship all day, and I would be happy. I would be joyful. Like, worship is not work for me. Prayer is work. That's just the way I am spiritually wired. Just because I'm spiritually wired to prefer worship than prayer doesn't mean I neglect the thing that isn't easy for me or isn't as comfortable for me or doesn't come as natural to me. It means I got to work on the thing that isn't as easy because there's something that's going to happen if I'll dig in, if I'll push through, if I'll make the sacrifice to get into the area that's not as natural for me. There's something God can do through that. So once we start praying... Then we need to pray more. What, is it, what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, I believe that, you know, the, the Bible says, I think 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says pray without ceasing, right? So, so that's a level that I have not yet achieved. Uh, if, I'm being, if I'm being real, I'm not the one who gets to get up here and teach you how to pray without ceasing because I have not mastered that one yet. Um, what is that? I believe that's just being an attitude of prayer. In a constant conversation with God throughout your day, as things are going on, that you're going before Him, and I think that's powerful and it's beautiful and it's mighty. But but I think there's also power in specific time set aside to go before God. We're gonna, God, I'm I'm going to dedicate these moments to you on a consistent time, a consistent basis. I believe also in a consistent place. Um, that doesn't mean you don't talk to God any other time. It just means that man, I'm. This is my prayer time. This is my time to get to get. Past the surface, past the, the basics of, of God, this is just what I need right now, this is what I'm going through right now, but really to seek him, really to, to pursue him. Jeremiah 33 3 says, call to me and I will answer you and I'll show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. When's the last time that you had that conversation with God? That conversation takes time, right? It requires asking and then it requires Listening, and we'll get to that a little bit more in a minute. But so we're gonna pray. Number one, we're gonna pray more. Number two, so, so so we're gonna take a step. We're gonna grow in our prayer life. If your prayer life right now is praying over your meals, if you remember, right? If, if that's if that's where your prayer life is, we're gonna go beyond that. Let's let's give God five minutes a day of dedicated prayer time. Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying you got to start out as a, as a three hour intercessor. Most of us, if we try that, we're going to get discouraged real quick and tap out real quick and be like, man, that's for somebody else. That ain't for me. I'm not telling you to do that. But let's five more minutes. Everybody in this room can find five more minutes a day to spend with God. Just, just go there. Pray more. Number three, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray four more. We're going to pray. Then we're going to pray more. Then we're going to start praying Four more. Here's what God's convicted me about, is that my prayer life has become routine, ritualistic, basic. I know what to say. I say the same things. I check the box. And then I move on to something else. And if I have not because I ask not, and I look around and I say, God, I want our church to make a bigger difference. I got to start praying for more. If I look at my kids and I say, God, I want to see them set free of these, these insecurities and these frustrations, I got to start praying for more. If if I look around and I see things in my life that I'm frustrated with, things that I haven't overcome, areas that I haven't matured in, that I've been in the faith for too long to still struggle with this, it means I got to start praying for more. Right? One One of the biggest Things that I believe God is calling us to in this season is to stretch our faith, to stretch our audacity, to believe that he can actually do something big in our life. Right? If, if our prayer life consists of, God, just be with me at work today, I got good news for you. He's already there. He's already going to be with you at work today whether you ask him to or not because his Holy Spirit lives in you. If you're a child of God, he's going with you. In fact, he ain't just going with you. He's going before you. So that one's already answered. So now maybe you can move from God, be with me to God, use me at work today. God, let me encourage somebody today. God, help me to find somebody who needs a word from you today. Help me find somebody who needs prayer today. God, that I can step in and just help them take a step forward in their faith with you. We gotta just not just pray, not just get in our old routine and pray our same old stuff, but start opening the door for God to use us last week we gave you some homework gave you some challenges man that we're going to to take a step in one of our spiritual disciplines we're talking about one of those spiritual disciplines this morning that we're going to find somebody to share our faith with how many of us forgot to share our faith this week don't don't raise your hand uh Keep your hands down on that one. It's between you and Jesus. No shame, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So you ain't, you didn't fail the Christianity test. You didn't get kicked out of the kingdom. You don't got to like go through discovery again to become a city church member because you forgot to share your faith this week. But but if we forgot to share our faith with this week, I dare say it's probably because we didn't pray for the opportunity. When we pray for more, God opens the door for more and he does more in our life. Amen? Amen. So we're going to pray. We're going to pray more. We're going to pray for more. Number four, we're going to listen more. This is the one that I really fail at. I thought I was bad at number three. Here's here's my problem as a person, as a husband, as a father, as a leader, as a pastor, as an individual. I really like to talk. I do. I know you haven't noticed, right? Like, you're like, man, his messages are so short. Hallelujah. Uh, Most of you probably never said that unless you came from black church. Then you love me. I thank you for my black folks. Hallelujah. They appreciate me, okay? Y'all can't ever leave. I need you. But if you didn't grow up in black church, I might be a little long winded for you. Just being real, right? is the truth i'm better at talking than i am at listening and that carries over into my walk with god and so i can pray but listening requires getting away from distractions listening requires cutting off all the noise listening requires shutting up right you heard the phrase, right, he gave you one mouth and two ears for a reason. Well, my one mouth is bigger than my two ears. And my biggest insecurity as a kid was my ears were too big, and then my face got fat, and they don't look so big anymore. <laughs> but I'm better with this than I am with these. But prayer is designed to not just be a, a, a monologue. It's a conversation. I don't just want to talk to God. I want to hear from I want to just speak into the abyss and go on with my life. I want to have a conversation with the one who sits on the throne, with the one who created me, with the one who designed me, with the one who knows what he put in me and what he's called me to. And that requires me to listen more. Number five. And this one might be a little curveball for some of you, but I'm going to challenge you to pray in the spirit. Some of you may have no clue what that even means. You didn't grow up in that kind of church. For some of you, this is very normal and very natural. I I believe, and we're not going to get to dig into it in a lot of in-depth conversation today, but I'm just going to deposit this nugget and make some of you uncomfortable. I I promise I'm I'm not trying to do something in your life that's weird. But God has given us the ability to have a prayer language through the baptism of the Holy Spirit where you can have a direct line to him. You can pray his perfect will. And if you have that gift, if you have received that, and you're like me, you probably don't use it as much as you know you should. I've got the ability to pray the perfect will of God over my. Why? Because it disconnects from my brain. It's God praying through me. It's God giving me the words. I don't know what I'm saying, but God knows what I need in my life. He knows what challenge my son is going to face when he goes to class tomorrow. He he knows what issue my wife's going to deal with when she goes to work tomorrow. He knows what temptation is going to come into my life next week, right? Like he knows all those things, and he's given me the ability to pray out ahead of those things, to cover them in prayer, to invite him in. And I'll be honest, sometimes the... There are weeks that go by, the only day of the week where I pray in the Spirit is Sunday mornings. I'm good at praying in the Spirit on Sunday mornings because I know I can't do this without him. But sometimes I think I can do that. And I'm wrong. And I'm missing it. And so i got to pray in the spirit more if you've got that capability I want to encourage you in that if you don't know what that is or what that looks like don't let that destroy you from the rest of the message you can just set that one aside for right now we'll talk more about that later on in the series and how you can walk in that and and what that can be like for you um but if if God starts to create an appetite and a hunger and a desire in you for that even though you may not really understand what that is just just seek it In fact, when Jesus said, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open, he was specifically talking about the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in a prayer language. That was the context of the conversation. And so he will make that available to you if that's something that you desire. And I think it's a really good thing to desire. Because, man, God doesn't love me more than he loves you. He don't love my kids more than he loves your kids. He doesn't love my job more than he loves your job. He doesn't love my family more than he loves your family. He doesn't care more about me becoming free from sin than he cares about you becoming free from sin. He's no respecter of persons. And so if he'll give me that ability to have a gift that helps in those areas, he'll give it to you too if you desire it. So pray in the spirit more. All right, we'll pray. We're going to pray more. We're going to pray for more. We're going to listen more. We're going to pray in the spirit more. Five Five ways for us to make room in our prayer life. With that being said, I want you to turn to first chronicles chapter four. First Chronicles is the next book after 2 Kings. If you found out where Kings was through our series or through our reading plan, and I, I had some people tell me I've never read First and Second Kings before. Uh, chronicles is kind of the companion to 1 and 2 Kings. First and 2nd Kings was written by the, the prophets to record what was happening through the prophets and in relation to the different kings of Israel and Judah. It is man it's really kind of the the spiritual account of what's going on. First Chronicles, Second Chronicles was written, we don't know by who, many believe it was written by Ezra, who has a, a book who bears his name. Ezra was the one who kind of reformed the Jewish people when they got out of captivity. They were in captivity in Babylon, 70 years. They come back to Jerusalem. They rebuild the temple, start seeking God again, and Ezra's the one who kind of leads them to get rid of all these bad habits they picked up. So many believe Ezra wrote 1 and 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles is... Is the chronicle, the log of the Jewish people. It's a lot of names, a lot of genealogies, a lot of stuff that you'll read it and be like, whew, Kings was exciting. Uh, Chronicles is work, right? Uh, I don't know how to say these things. Uh, I I don't know what these names are. I think Hunter talked about it last week. You get into a a genealogy, and you're just like, that's S, and that's J, uh, and what's up? Uh, And we just skip this whole list of names because they don't mean anything to us, but that doesn't mean they don't mean anything. Just because we don't understand the meaning doesn't mean there's not deep significance. God inspired someone to write that down. He inspired it to be passed down through generations for us to have access to it. There is truth. There, there is benefit for us in there if we'll dig into it. So with that being said, Joe, go with me to First Chronicles chapter 4. We're going to read a very unfamiliar passage of scripture, then one that might be semi-familiar, especially if you've been in the church for, for 20, 30 years. It was pretty popular like in the 90s and early 2000s. Um, and then we'll unpack it a little bit. Uh, the descendants of Judah so what's happening is he's giving a chronicle a a genealogy of the different tribes of Israel and so he gets to this tribe Judah which is of course my favorite tribe of Israel it's the one that we yo- chose for inspiration to name our oldest child Judah literally means praise uh, it, it was Judah was the, the the child that was man celebrated he was a blessing uh, and I love I love what it means I love The significance of Judah. Judah also happens to be the tribe that God chose to bring Jesus through. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Uh, And so there's a lot of cool things in the tribes of Israel. Judah is my favorite. That's not why we're doing this story. This just happens to be coincidental that this individual we're going to look at came through this tribe. But when I get a chance to talk about Judah, that's what I do. Uh, So Judah... Names here aren't too difficult. They're like one and two syllables, even though they're a little weird. We got Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Her, and Shobal. Everybody say Shobal. Somebody just got vision for a name for their kid. We got the first Shobal in 3,000 years. Hallelujah. Uh, special child. we not going to get treated special. Uh, Reaah, son of Shobal, was the father of Jahath, and Jahath the father of Ahamai and Lahad. These were the clans of the Zorathites. Verse 3, these were the sons of Etam, Jezreel, Ishma, and Idbash. Their sister was named pony or Hazelelponi, You whatever. You could call it what you want, right? Don't laugh at pony that poor, that poor lady. That poor girl. Penuel was the father of Gedor, Ezer, the father of Husha. These were the descendants of Her, the firstborn of Ephratha, and father of Bethlehem. This is what happens when you get in these genealogies. You'll go like three verses and have no b- word that you even recognize. And then boom, oh, I know Bethlehem. Hallelujah. Let's pray and get out of here. Uh, verse 5, Asher, the father of Tekoa, had two wives. Side note, this is a different time, different generation. This is not the vision for your life, right? Hallelujah, I'm going to be Asher, the next Asher in my generation. That's not what this message is about. We're not having two wives. One's enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heli and Nairah. Nairah bore him a husband, heifer, (laughs) porker. No? Uh, Like to eat. Uh, Had some wings at the Super Bowl party. Uh, Temani and Hashtari. These were the descendants of Nairah, the sons of Heli, Zereth, Zohar, Ethnan, and Kaz, who was the father of Arub, or Anub, and Hazabiba, and of the clans of Arahel, son of Haram. You laugh at the way I say it. You want to come up here and read them? Anybody like, hey, sign me up? Okay. Doing my best. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. Why are all these names there? What does this even mean? Here's what I love about Chronicles. God inspires someone, perhaps Ezra. To care enough about the small stories, to care enough about the generations that seemed insignificant, to make sure that they got into the book. He didn't just record David. And Jeremiah and Elijah and these big names who did these spectacular things for God. The reality is not all of us are going to do spectacular things for God. Not all of us are going to see revival come through us. Not all of us are going to stand on Mount Carmel against 900 prophets of the enemy and watch God move mightily. That's not God's design or his plan for every single one of us. But that doesn't mean we don't matter. Somewhere in that genealogy was a praying grandpa. Somewhere in that genealogy was someone who was just faithful, who loved God and served God and was generous and passed that down to the next generation who prayed over the great grandkids who spoke a blessing over the ones who had not yet born yet. And they were the ones who popped up with the big story down the road. But it was this insignificant name that we can't even pronounce, that we laugh at, that God chose to use their faithfulness to prepare a future generation. That's why I love Chronicles. Do you remember what God said in Deuteronomy chapter 5? Deuteronomy 5, he's going back through the Ten Commandments. He says, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above. Or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. We know this, right? We're we're not people who build idols. We're not bowing before a statue in our bedroom, right? At least not in that sort of way. We have idols that we make in our heart. But not with our hands. Don't struggle with that the way that they did 3,000 years ago. But look what he said next, verse 9. He says, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. And then he has a verse that, that seems kind of terrifying. Says so this jealous God, I'm punished the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. I don't know about you, that's not my favorite verse. <coughs> Stuff of my great grandfather's passed down on me. I've taught this before, but I think it's important to bring up here. A lot of times we have people say things like, "Well, I, I never owned slaves." How come come people are still affected by this? How come people are still upset about this? I didn't do this. You weren't a slave. When the word of God says that we're going to pay the price in future generations for the sins of prior generations, there's a price being paid in America right now for the sins of our great-great-grandparents. And we can run from it. We can hide from it. Or we can own it. We can repent of it and, and move forward and find healing in it. As much as you may think that's not my fault, that's not the word. the word of God doesn't say you just pay the price for your own sins. The word of God says you pay the price for the sins of generations before you. And you can take that up with God. That ain't me. That's what he said. And I don't know about you, but when I look at America, I see this happening right now. There is division, there is pain, there is sacrifice, there is anger, there is bitterness resulting from the sins of prior generations. I think it's time for the church to recognize that that's biblical. That's not somebody playing the victim. That, that, that's not somebody acting like we, they're, they're entitled and we owe them something. This is, this is the judgment of God on our country. And I might have just lost half of you and never coming back to City Church again. And that's okay. This is one hill I have chosen I will speak truth on and I will die on this hill. If that means that I don't have a salary, that means I don't have a salary. I'm not going back down from the truth. Because this is what God's word says, this is what the culture says, this is what a woke mob says, this is what the word of God says. And we're going to teach what the word says. Now there's good news after that. Aren't you glad there's good news? Let me give you some good news. Number one, we're close to being past four generations. There is healing coming. There's restoration coming. This is not going to last forever. God says the sins passed down to three and four generations doesn't mean they have to pass on forever. If a generation will raise up and own it and repent of it and seek reconciliation, I believe we can be washed of this. And this doesn't have to define our future the way it's defined our past. There's some more good news. God says, I let the sins of the fathers be passed down to the children to three and four generations. But aren't you grateful for a big, beautiful but? but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I may have some sin passed down from my great granddaddy. I may have some junk passed down from my mama, but I got blessing going back a thousand generations that has been handed down on me. pay the price for the sins of somebody else that I didn't do, well, it sure ain't fair that I get the blessing of somebody who lived t- thousands of years ago, but that's the way God ordained it, that's the way God designed it, that's justice in his kingdom, is you'll pay a price for a season, for a short period of generations, but I'm going to favor you for generation after generation after generation. <laughs> Hallelujah, that's the God I serve. What's this got to do with Chronicles. Faithful generations, faithful men and women, some that weren't faithful, I'm sure, some that passed down some curses, some that passed down some pain, some that passed down some some issues, some generational curses, but those things last for a season. But the favor of God, the blessing of God comes cascading down generation after generation, and what does it do? It builds up. It's for 1,000 generations. I don't know how many godly generations I got in my past of the fast 1,000 generations, but I know it's more than three or four. I know I got a whole lot more favor coming my way than I got curse coming my way because that's the God that I serve. So we see faithfulness in Chronicles. They record these names. You just saw all these names. It says nothing about them. It just says who they were. Might say who they married. who they, who Somebody's born. Somebody gets married. Somebody gets a baby. Somebody dies. Over and over and over again. And then we get to verse 9. It says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez saying, I gave birth to him in pain. His name literally meant sorrow and pain. I don't know how Jewish kids were 3,000 years ago. But I imagine they were somewhat similar to American kids in this. I bet they knew how to pick on a kid with a goofy name. Can you imagine every time you went to play ball, every time you showed up to class, hey, what's up, Payne? Hey, Sorrow. How's your day going, Sorrow? This is your identity. This is what you hear. Everywhere you go, he was defined by something that was not his fault, was not his responsibility. I don't know how many of you have, have given childbirth, have had more than one child. But if you can imagine, like, if you chose the one that was the most difficult, and you put a curse on them based upon their name of what happened, man, this this is this is tearful. Man, this is, this is the one I couldn't have medication for, the one I had to do natural, right? This is the one that brought pain. This is the one that was... Way too early is the one that said no more. Uh, Right? I'm done. Hallelujah. That's it. Praise God we don't name kids like that anymore. But they did back then. But despite his name, it says something really interesting about Jabez. It says that he was more honorable than his brothers. Can I encourage somebody today? It ain't about how you start, it's about you. He may have represented pain and sorrow when he came into the world, but by the time he went out of the world, he was not defined by that bad beginning. He was not defined by the pain he brought into someone else's life. He was now defined by the way he had lived, by the decisions he had made, by the choices he embraced. He was more honorable than his brothers. It doesn't say his brothers were dishonorable. She says that his honor stood out. It's shown. There was something in his character, in his righteousness, in the way he followed God, that he was more honorable than his brothers. If all we had was verse 9, man, that's great. I mean, we just went through eight verses. Nobody got nothing. Jabez got like two sentences right there, man. You're a big deal when you get two sentences in Chronicles, right? Like something was important about you. But we also got verse 10. Look at verse 10. It says that Jabez cried out the God of Israel. I wonder how many of us, when our life is over, and our genealogy is told, when God is writing our story, that somewhere in that story, this phrase will pop up, Mark cried out to his God. Crystal cried out to her Lord. Sheila cried out to Jesus. Regina cried out to her Savior. I wonder how many of us that that would actually work its way into our spiritual epitaph. That at some point in time we were so discomfortable with what was going on. So so dissatisfied with just everyday Christianity that we pressed through the normal and the mundane and the routine and we truly cried out for God to do something in our life and our generation. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. If that's all it said about him, that would be enough. But it tells us what he cried and it tells us what happened. He says, Oh, that you would bless me. Everybody say, Bless me. Bless does that sound does that feel selfish? Does that, does that feel self-centered? God bless me. Here's the thing about favor. Favor ain't fair. Somebody said it. It's not. It's not supposed to be. It's not designed to be. Here's the thing about the God that I serve. He's big enough that he can have all his kids as his favorite. And if you have multiple kids, you probably know this. In some kind of way, each of them are your favorite. Right? There's something about that one that, man, I'm so grateful for this. There's something about that one that, man, I love this about him. And there's something about that one that, man, that girl has captured my heart. Right? All of your kids are your favorite, and it doesn't make sense. It's just the way it is. That's how God is. It's just his capacity is so much greater. So the fact that I'm his favorite don't mean you can't be his favorite. The fact that he favors me doesn't mean he's cutting you off from anything you can have. He wants to favor all of his kids. And so Jabez says, God bless me. Not because blessing Jabez cheats somebody else out of a blessing. In fact, biblically, the more that we get blessed, the more that we're able to bless somebody else. And so asking God to bless us isn't cutting somebody else off. There, there's not a limit of resources in God's economy. Okay? It's not if I get, slice the pie gets bigger, everybody else the slice gets smaller, it's that as my slice enlarges, the whole pie gets bigger. And there's more blessing to go around for everybody else. Jabez was more honorable. This is the honorable one who prays, God, bless me. He says, bless me and enlarge my territory. God, enlarge the territory of City Church. Enlarge our impact. Enlarge the neighborhoods that we have influence in. Enlarge the number of families who are blessed because you put a church here. God, enlarge our territory. He says, bless me and enlarge my territory and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. So that my past will not define my future, so that this name that was put on me, this identity that I was given at birth, does not have to define me for life, so that I will be free from me. You ever prayed to be free from yourself? The Bible teaches us to die to self. David's prayed, I, pain prayed, set me free from pain. Set me free from me. Set me free from my past. Set me free from my, my, my hang up Set me free from all this stuff that keeps me from your very best. Set me free from me. What a beautiful prayer. Here's what I love about this prayer. There's a couple of things. But one is Jabez had so much faith, he didn't even have to be specific. I think there's, prayer, there, there's power in specific prayers. I think when you want something specific, you need to ask for it. But Jabez, didn't even, he didn't even have to tell God, God, here's how I want you to bless me. Or, here's how I want you to enlarge my territory. He just said, just do it. God, I have so much faith in you and so much trust in you that if I just have your blessing and you'll just enlarge my territory, I know it's going to be good. I know it's going to be what I need. I know it's going to be exactly what you designed my destiny to be, even though somebody else spoke a different destiny over me. And oh, by the way, don't miss the end of the verse. And God granted his request. In the midst of a genealogy, in the midst of a whole bunch of names that we can't pronounce and a whole lot of people that we don't know their stories, the author of Chronicles paused for for two verses. Why did I read the first eight verses to you? Because if we're not careful, we look at, hey, Jabez only got two verses. That ain't a big deal. That's how I used to see this story. But when you read it in context, all of a sudden you realize that two verses is a big deal. Man, all these other names didn't get that. They, They didn't get their story told. They didn't. They weren't defined as more honorable. They didn't have their prayer recorded, but Jabez did. It's powerful, and it's good. Guys, I got a whole lot more message for you, and it's already time to go. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do part two on this message next week. We're going to continue in the prayer of Jabez because I think this is really powerful, and there's a lot for us to dig out when it comes to to praying for more. Let, Let me just close with this thought, something that we've shared here at City Church a number of times. But, it, but it's so important for us to grasp when it comes to praying, praying more, praying for more, listening more, praying in the spirit more. That's this. It has to. It has to happen in the spiritual before it happens in the natural. It has to. What does that mean? It means if we don't pray it, God won't say it. Now, I, I, I don't want to speak in absolutes. Because God can just do whatever he wants, and sometimes he just blesses us just because he's good, right? But but there are certain things, there are certain things you'll never access if you don't access them in prayer. There are certain things God has for you that he's just waiting to pour out blessing on you. He's just waiting to open this door. He's waiting to enlarge your territory. He's waiting to, to begin to move mightily on your behalf, on the behalf of future generations, or your kids, or your grandkids, or whoever may be far from God right now. He's just waiting. waiting. For you to start making it happen in the spiritual. Now, here's the hard part. Just because it happens in the spiritual doesn't mean it happens in the natural immediately. And that's where faith comes in. That's where we got to just keep claiming it and keep believing it, even though we don't see it. We walk by faith and not by sight. And so, God, I believe that you've answered my prayer. I believe you've heard my prayer. I believe you've moved in my life, even though I don't see it, even though it hasn't shown up yet, on the x-ray, even though it hasn't shown up yet, in my bank account, even though it hasn't shown up yet, in my email box, even though it hasn't shown up yet, in my home. God, I believe that it's happened in heaven, and if it's happened in heaven, it will happen here. In your time. I'm trusting you. I'm believing you that it will happen in the natural because I trust that it's happened in the spiritual. Oh, man, I got so much more to tell you. I'm so fired up for this message. We're, we're going to park right there. We're going to pray. We're going to pray more. We're going to pray for more. We're going to listen more. We're going to pray in the spirit more. Next week. We're going to focus on number three, and I can't hold that one up because that would be my middle finger, and I won't do that to you. Uh, But but we're going to dig into the pray for more aspect because that's what I really want to talk to you about. That's what Jabez did. That's what I think we can learn from his example is we can pray for more. So next week we're going to come and just dig into that one aspect. But I want to encourage you this week, start walking out that hand. Start walking out those five things, man, that I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to pray for more. I'm going to listen more. And if you have that ability, start praying in the spirit more. If you don't, start asking God, God, is this for me? I believe it's for everybody, but I'll let God tell you that. He will. He'll create that desire in you, I truly believe. Would you stand and pray with me today, God? guys?